Hello, and welcome to another episode of Avatar, The Last Korra. I'm David. And I'm Hannah, and are you guys ready to do some jerk bending? Some jerks? Having fun with your jerk bending? Yeah, so much jerks. So many jerks in this episode. We're, we're, covering, all, we're covering another lot today. We've got a, a big two-part special magical episode parody of The Rock called The Boiling <laughs> Rock. Honestly, I don't even know The Rock. Like, I know it only because it's been brought up. Well, it's just another movie where they break into a prison. It happens to be in that movie that it's a prison with a terrorist cell that, like, take over it to launch a rocket or whatever. But the point is, it's called The Rock, all right? And this is The Boiling Rock, so it's related. Yeah. (laughs) But first, let's talk about Korra. Great. Let's talk about Korra. Let's just get this out of the way, guys. We're we're in the home stretch. <laughs> let's let's talk about episode nine, Beyond the Wilds. This is like such a weird outlier to me in this season. It is weird. First of all, it has nothing to do with Kuvira. Nope. It has zero anything to do with her. Um, it's all just about Korra, like and vines. Yeah, it's just spirit. Bad vines. vines. Vine so check. And also. I just want to, I just, I just, oh my god, sorry, I'm still just <laughs> observing Vine Check. Uh, yeah, Vine Check indeed. Um, I have to bring up the fact that the spirit vines were never alive, and I hate that they're alive in Korra now. Well, I don't know if that they were never alive, and when we see them whip that bird, it's just like, it was, it was more subtle, it was more, and I don't even like the Swamp episode, I don't, I don't know why I'm defending it. Like, The Swamp was a weird outlier bad episode in season two, and it's weird and bad that it's become a central focus of season four of of Korra. Right, and well, and also, like, we get, like, our resolution to, like, The Swamp being haunted or not is mostly that, like, it was just this guy in a swamp monster costume, you know? Right, no, but after that, we also see that, like, also the swamp has a will of its own kind of thing. It can create tornadoes, and it can, you know, whip people with vines and stuff. It's, there's more to it than meets the eye was the thing, but now it just has to become as unsubtle as possible. Yeah, like, the thing that made it, like, spooky and cool was its subtlety, and it's, like obfuscation but now it's just like subtle. the vines I think it was are bad but this is just all right. worse so so it starts right, out and right. it's it's a tour guide the napoleon yeah. dynamite fail son airbender from last season remember yeah he's dyed yeah. his hair blonde and is now a tour guide i guess, I guess. um cora is just like goofing off <laughs> why is she doing this i have no idea uh, but yeah, he's there, and his his family is there, and they're giving a tour, and then they all get captured by vines that are suddenly alive. Uh, right. And then meanwhile, Cora goes to a, a meeting <laughs> that she wasn't invited to, and she's really mad about it. But then <laughs> Bolin and Varric show up and was like, Kuvira's got spirit vines, and she's doing a giant weapon with them. And they're like, oh shit, maybe we should do something about that. But then everyone's like, no, we're not going to attack because we don't want another global war. And like, I guess this is appeasement? Right. I mean, I feel like this is almost like a good conflict, except for that none of the characters that we're invested in are involved in these decisions, which makes it kind of boring and, and dull. 
And it just becomes kind of a right. retread of season two, where the goal was to try and get people involved in a civil war. This is the same thing. Kuvira is not attacking any outside countries yet. She's just building massive weapons and <laughs> uh, and and invading, you know, reconquering her own territory. So right in that and you know doing a bunch of 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 you know crimes against humanity. War crimes. <laughs> yeah, war crimes. <laughs> But there's no Geneva Convention, so who cares? Right. There's no Avatar Geneva <laughs> Convention, I, I assume, because there's nobody saying, oh, well, they're, you know, having extermination camps and, like... Re-education camps. Well, no, I think the, I think the reference was that they're extermination camps, called re-education camps. Oh, are they? I Oh, shit. I thought they were. I don't know. But uh, in any case, concentration camps of some I thought it was more just, kind. like, work... Yeah, they're okay. They're, they're bad. work camps. Are they gulags? <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Okay. Yeah, but, but, but like still, being, not good. Not great. And then developing weapons of mass destruction, and <laughs> you know, taking political prisoners. All these things are bad. Yeah. But they're not direct threats. So this is kind of like appeasement, like during World War Two. Yeah. Is, is what's happening. It's exactly so, appeasement. I don't think that this is bad. It's just it's not interesting to watch. No. It's kind of like the Senate scenes in the prequels. You know. Yeah. Uh, but then Lynn and Opal decide that they're going to go on a secret jailbreak mission, which I like the, the, the secret jailbreak connection with these two episodes. Yeah, that's a good point. uh, With the boiling rock and some nice symmetry there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but so they decide to do that. But for some reason they're like, no one will help us. I'm sure the avatar of course will not want to help free like... You know, our family members that everybody likes. (laughs) I mean, I feel like they sort of have the same logic as Sokka, you know, where it's like, it's my family. I don't want to put anyone else in danger. Like, it's, you know, at least for Sokka, though, he's kind of like, but Sokka did it because he felt guilty and responsible for it. And, you know, he was, you know, fully willing to not come back. Whereas this is right. just sort of like, we're going to go do this. It's going to be super awesome. And no one's going to help us because it's our family. Excuse me. Right. I have proprietary first, you know, for, right of first refusal Dibs. on rescuing my sister. Stupid. Yeah, I don't know. So they make that decision. Meanwhile, uh, does Janora get captured first? Or I don't know. They just well, so realize- Janora just like shows up because she's like, I sensed a surge of energy in this vine patch and it was like a surge of energy that sounds as vague as like jodie whittaker's doctor showing up in random places in season 12 (laughs) um but anyways yeah she shows up she gets captured but before she gets captured she like does a you know astral projection to cora to be like come and save me I'm Italiano, Genora. Hey, it's me, Genora. Um, but then she, yeah, she does that, and then Cora like tries to meditate into the spirit world, but then she like sees Zahir and is like, "I gotta deal with Zahir. I gotta go see him." And Tenzin's like, "No." But she's perfectly aware that these vines, the reason that they're attacking, is because on the other side of the earth. Uh, Kuvira has been yeah. cutting down the forest, the rainforest, and all the vines yeah. in the world are connected, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> and so they get angry. But, but, but why aren't they attacking Kuvira? Why are they just kidnapping random tourists? 
I don't know. Like, they're definitely, because we see in, like, a vision that Korra has that, you know, they are attacking some of the troops who are attacking the main tree, but then they're just also attacking Taurus, and it's like, ugh, okay. Right. And I guess, by that logic, couldn't you argue that, in a sense, because those two things are connected, that Kuvira has kind of kidnapped United Republic citizens? Yeah, you could. By extension? If you're looking for an excuse for war. Right. <laughs> I don't know. It's beside the point. Um, also, is Zuko Zuko's just not the Fire Lord anymore? It's Fire Fire Lord Az- Azora or whatever her name is. Yeah, Zuko Zuko probably stepped down like a while ago because she was a character in season one that was referenced. Oh, was she? She wasn't on I screen. Didn't even I don't remember. Think, but but they referenced her. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. She's got a cool look, but so she doesn't do anything. In, she's in the room, and Prince Wu is in the room, too, and he's not being very helpful. And so Korra's like, you guys don't think I'm the real Avatar. And it's like, well, they never really paid attention to what you wanted to happen politically. Yeah. And it's like, like she's it's upset just... that they've lost respect for her, but also that her character serves no purpose, which is true. Yeah, and it just sucks that Korra never actually learns how to, I mean, maybe it doesn't suck, but, like, it could have been a character arc for her to learn how to be a politician, and she just doesn't, like, ever. Well, I mean, I think the the, (laughs) the real move is that she should be learning to, like, be a spiritual leader more than, you know, somebody who, you know, someone like the actual Dalai Lama, who is not really responsible for fighting wars but is more about right. leading people spiritually and guiding them on how to live their lives and and through that what kind of political actions to take as a group uh but uh that's not that's not what happens instead it's just like i gotta learn to no, fight more good just... <laughs> yep and be more spirit magicy. yeah so she goes to see zaheer in the crazy prison they have him in um and they meditate together into the spirit world, I guess, after having a weird conversation. Well, it's just such a weird thing, because she's, like, she's she's trying to overcome, like, a, a PTSD thing, and her first instinct is, like, well, I've got to see the person yeah. who tried to kill me. That'll cure me of PTSD somehow, not just re-trigger the same emotions and experiences right and then Zaheer immediately is like talking down to her like incredibly for somebody who is like a criminal who's been locked up like he's very condescending just being like oh you can't get into the spirit world (laughs) sounds like uh you're doubting yourself too much uh because you have low (laughs) self-esteem idiot (laughs) right um you know which is honestly in character for Zaheer you know, he was never humble, particularly. No, he was kind of humble. He was kind of, like, spiritually, like, on the same level as Cora. But in, in this case, he's like, but, but you know, she's just like, well, I don't know. You know, I don't, my powers have limits. You know, I can't do everything. And he's mm-hmm. like, no, no. Because he's achieved transcendence. Like, he released all of his earthly tethers and can fly and shit. So, you know. Okay. It doesn't make him a perfect human. uh he still sucks. No, it doesn't. That's why he's condescending and terrible. Right. Um, but anyway, he basically condescends her into the spirit world after right. making her rewatch her trauma. It doesn't make sense. Right. I just it just seems so easy. Every time that she overcomes like another element of her trauma, it feels easy. I mean, I like the fact that it's an overarching thing throughout the whole season and not just like squeezed into those first couple episodes like I thought it was gonna be. Right. But it just every step 
it gets resolved within the episode, kind of, or it just feels like when it resolves, it resolves too simply. I don't know. It's hard to describe. No, I agree. I, I agree. I think the sort of acceptance scene, it's basically just like they play the scene again and then they superimpose Korra and Zaheer's faces over it. And he's like, be brave, watch it through to the end. Don't try to rewrite the past. And then all of a sudden they're in the spirit world. It's like, where was like the, us actually seeing Korra like accepting and what it means to actually accept that moment, you know, like it, it's just missing somehow. I felt the same way about like her getting in touch with her trauma in order to get the poison out a few episodes back or, right. you know, or, Right. coming to grips with, you know, her own lack of ability in order to take her first step or, or you know, whatever it was. Right. All of these steps individually feel too easy or too trite or something's off about or them. Or the show just doesn't earn them. The show right. doesn't earn them. It doesn't, it doesn't make that, uh, it doesn't make the stakes feel real enough because we know she just needs to get over it so that the plot can continue, you know? like right. it, Well, if you want to talk about, like, beats, emotional beats that get glossed over, I mean, just wait till next episode. <laughs> but as of what we're doing right now, let's talk about Boleyn. Yeah. we didn't talk about Boleyn suddenly is in Republic City somehow. No, he and Barry, yeah, they just are, they manage to do it. They get there, I guess, real and fast. Th- but not only um, there, they get all the way in Kuvira outfits, you know, they get yeah. all the way into the inner sanctum of the Senate floor. <laughs> and yeah. Just burst in, in the middle of the meeting. I mean, it's kind of funny that they lampshade it. They're like, you know, you, you, Cora, you can't just burst into this meeting. Why is everyone just bursting in? And then Bolin bursts in. Yeah. And they're just like, we, we, we have, we have proof that Kuvira has a WMD. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, we already knew that. And everyone's still just kind of like, and they're like, yeah, but she didn't use it, so screw you guys. Uh, but yeah, so basically Bolin is trying to win Opal back, but she rightly is like, um. He's really sorry. He's so sorry, guys. <laughs> For being a Nazi. Opal's not having it. For being a Nazi. She's not into it. Um, and he tries to like, he does this dumb trick with, uh, Pabu where he puts like a note on Pabu that's like, I've broken my legs, help. <laughs> and she comes I mean, running. It's kind of a Bolin move. It's a very Bolin move. Opal gives this whole awkward, cringy speech that's like sarcastically telling him off. Like, oh yeah, let's go get married. Ugh. I don't hate it. I don't know. I don't hate it. I, I, I'm for it. He's like, oh yeah, let's, let's like try to get back into Opal's good graces by lying to Opal. And because that'll distract her from how like much danger her family's in. And we're just so in love and that's, everything will be fine. And she's basically saying, listen, romantic gestures aren't going to do it. Dumbass. Right. That's not what I'm looking for right now. Right. Um, and he takes the hint and basically is like, listen, I get it, but I'm going to fight for you, babe. And then she's like, all right, want to come on a suicide mission with me? And he's like, hell yeah. And then they do. Um, right. And then meanwhile, Korra is able to free all the people trapped in the spirit world. And By basically just being like, hey, Rava, where have you been? And she's like, yeah. I've been within you all along. <laughs> yeah, it's dumb. And the, the, they go up to, like, these pods. Apparently the thing that the vines oh, do God, when yeah. they get cut is they take random people off the street. 
If you cut a vine in the rainforest, then in a city that's not connected to the vines at all, they will grab a person and put them in a pod. Listen, if that's how it actually worked, I feel like we'd be a lot better about saving the earth. <laughs> you know? Like, if... <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe it is, like, a subtle commentary on, like, the disconnectedness, you know, how we, we, we feel like we can separate ourselves from, you know, the trouble going on in the rainforest, but we still buy the palm oil or whatever. All right. There's no palm trees in the rainforest. What the fuck am I talking about? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, uh, episode 10, Operation Beifong. Um, and I like this because, again... I like again, the title, first of it's, all. <laughs> it's a dumb title, and I, I like it. It's It's dumb. Um, and it's kind of like Boiling Rock, which we'll talk about, I promise, after this. We're so close, guys. Um. <laughs> so apparently, like, they go and find the prison, but then it's like, Toph is there. Toph just shows up, and she's like, sup, y'all? And Lynn is, like, pissed off, and Opal's like, OMG, Grandma, what's up? BFF. Um, right, and it's like, they know each yes. other? Like, that's weird. <laughs> I thought she had been, like, living in isolation in the woods for, like, 20 years. I bet. Sue Yin seems like the kind of mom who would take her kids on, like, a trip to the To swamp. the forest. <laughs> you know? Like, like, no, kids. You'll meet your grandmother. It's educational. I mean, apparently that's what happened. Or or Toph made the journey to Zalfu, I guess. One of yeah. those things happened. Yeah. But, like, weird. Uh, another thing, Bolin being near Toph is terrible. Yeah, no. Bolin just, like, freaks out and is, like, idol-worshipping Toph or whatever. He does his, like, but... geek-out thing, but it's, it's like, he's like, Toph is my hero and I've always wanted to be a metal bender like my hero Toph, which is something that they brought up but in he's book like... three that, even then, it rang totally false. Like, why does this person right. even care about Toph? Uh, yeah. He's like a, he's from the streets. He grew up in the ghetto. Right. Did he learn history? I guess. Shouldn't his hero be like a, you know, a pro bending champion from way back or something? Right. When, yeah, exactly. If Toph was his hero, wouldn't you think he'd be the one trying to join the police force? Right. Like, I don't know. Or the person uh, trying to become rich. I don't know. Like, uh, she was, she's just like this rich girl, this pampered rich girl who became a cop. Like, that seems like the opposite of who Bolin would look up to. But Toph is, like, just having none of it, and so I think it becomes even more awkward, right? Because yeah. he's just getting nothing back, but he just keeps... He just stays at that level. Yeah, it's very uncomfortable. And Lynn is, yeah, just very uncomfortable. Uh, Opal introduces her bison to Toph, and it's... Juicy. His name is Juicy, and Toph's like, that thing's disgusting, and she's like, the bison chooses the wizard, Toph. You can't, you can't return well, that's, it. Well, that was established in, in Avatar as well. I know, but... But, come on, Juicy? You gonna, you gotta name your bison Juicy? <laughs> I mean, when it drools like that. What's not like that? How could you not? <laughs> so, uh, Varric and, and Asami are, like, working together now because they're yeah. the top tech minds. And it's like, Asami is, like, just, like, a CEO, right? I mean... She's been known to be handy, but, like, has she ever built anything? No, didn't she... She designed some stuff, didn't she? I don't remember. It's suddenly a mystery <laughs> it's to so, me. It's so unmemorable, Asami doing basically anything in this show that we can't even well, remember. Well, I mean, I think she, you know, she just, like, has things, usually. It's like, oh, this is Asami's Zeppelin. And it's like, oh, okay. Right. She has that. Right. She would have that. She's the CEO of a massive corporation, of course. Oh, and then these right. are these are her 
Robomechs because that's the company makes them, right? I mean, the, that was designed right. by her dad. And, and I'm sure she's handy with tools, like she can fix a car because she'd be taught to do that. But building a dragonfly hummingbird mech... I don't know. I mean, it's it's her company that's doing it. In the same way that it's Varric's company that's doing it. Okay. Um, All right. I'll buy it. Anyway. She just walked into the boardroom like Steve Jobs and was like, I've had a vision. Dragonfly hummingbirds. Do it. I don't care how. And then just storms out. <laughs> also, Wu is like, we should evacuate the city. And, they and they're that. like, what a brilliant um, idea that none of us thought of before. And I assume they're being sarcastic because, like, how was that not the first thing on like an emergency list yeah i truly don't know um meanwhile batar and julie are doing some weapons testing and it goes bad and it's because there's a broken piece and then they check the whole machine for anything that's wrong because kuvira shows up and she's wants a test and then there's an unnecessary bit where toph can tell that that julie is is lying and it's it's unnecessary because we find out exactly that in a scene. About, oh yeah, about working as hard. But I don't know. It's it's just so that Bolin could be like, we should save Julie because the characters have to find out that information. I don't know. I don't hate right, it. Right, but they would just want to save her anyway, right? Because she's like a person. No, not if she's working with them. I don't know. Right, but if you see that the, they're trying to kill her by throwing her in the city with the laser beams. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, anyway, the Bayfongs break in magically, and they find out that there's a giant cavern underground. Oh my god, it's, it's just, just like, like in, in Day of, like Day of Black Sun. And, and everything that Toph ever does is just finding catacombs. <laughs> but yeah, so she goes, she goes down, and uh, they all go down, and they find... The whole Suyin Beifong family is stuck in a wooden cage uh, suspended by ropes in the middle of a cavern. And so they get them all out one by one by Lin using her metal wires to throw them over to Bolin. But then the whole plan goes south when uh, Batar Sr. freaks out because he's scared of being thrown across a cavern, which, like, It's such a minor inconvenience. I mean, this is a boring heist thing it doesn't compare to boiling rock at all. no not at all no no not at all um and then you know they come in i do like the the visual humor of the guard coming through the small door seeing them hitting the alarm button and then the the rest of the door opens so that the robot can get through it's funny i don't know that that tickled that tickled i don't know what happened to the eggs remember like the the bayfongs used to be in like metal eggs why didn't they just keep them in those? What, what do you mean? In the in the last episode, dur- during the battle of... Oh, well, because they've got to go to the bathroom, Right, well, you David. let them out for that, and then you put them back in the eggs. Like, why do they got to be in the suspended cage? Yeah. I mean, what, are they just pooping off the side? Oh, absolutely, that is what they're doing. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's what's happening in there, a thousand percent. Oh, God. Um, that's always my, my favorite thing about these elaborate prison scenes in fantasy, is just trying to figure out where, where people do go to the bathroom and how they get how food. do they do do? Because <laughs> uh, these cells are always pristine. But anyway, uh, yeah, so they, they come back up from the ground, and it's fine. Meanwhile, testing is going on. It goes bad again, and it's because a pin is missing, and Kuvira just, like, I don't know, 
spider senses that Julie has the metal pin and finds it and is like, put her in the city and we'll blow her up with it, which is some fucking intense shit, personally. And then they try to do that, but just as they're doing that, Bolin and Opal go to save her. That's what happens. And then right. Lin and Suyin... They're the only ones, and then they're going to get captured again, right? Well, no, no, no. They're, the laser's oh, going to fire. Right, yeah. But then Lin and Suyin... Yeah, they, like, earthbend the laser sideways slightly so it doesn't hit the town. It, right. It just hits okay. the mountain. Let me just say, I mean, it's not that this is not a super weapon, but, like, compared to actual WMDs, like... Are you telling me that they don't have, like, you yeah. know, poison gas by this point? Even though they can mine for poison gas, like, very easily? Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just feel like their chemistry knowledge would have also improved by this point, and they could invent a better weapon. Here's the thing, David. Chemical warfare is gruesome right. and horrible, and I think putting it in a children's show right. is maybe even but a step like, too far But it's like, as far as super weapons go, like, <laughs> the laser, you just hit it, and then it shoots in the air, and it does nothing. Whereas a nuclear bomb, I mean, if that goes off... Doesn't matter if you're a million miles away, you still get hit by that. You know, it's it's a pretty good weapon. Yeah, but this laser does shoot a hole through a mountain. Okay, so, big big one. You know, pretty destructive. It's a, it's a tunneling. It's the it's the Elon <laughs> Musk boring machine. <laughs> um. Yeah. But then Su Yin fights Kubira, and this is a good fight. I like it. She makes metal armor for herself on the fly, and they just trade blows for a yeah, while. Yeah, the animation's good and whatever, but it's like, yeah, we know they're going to get out, right? It's yeah. Like, what's going to happen? Um, then, you know, the Su Yin family gets cornered uh, by Kubira's forces, but then Toph saves everyone at the last second. And they all get on the bison, and Toph yells, You give metal benders a bad name at Kubira. Oh, it's such a lame moment. I know. It's so lame. And then uh, Julie tells them that Kubira is going to attack Republic City in two weeks, and so there's our ticking clock for the last, like, three episodes of this show. Yeah, earlier in the episode, we did kind of skip over the whole, like, awkward dinner scene oh, yeah. with, uh, with Toph and Bolin, where Bolin is just like, I have no social skills. I'm, you know, uh, I'm probably on the spectrum or something. So, uh, but who's your who's your baby daddy? <laughs> and then we find out what's his name. Shit, I wrote it down. Kanto, like Japan. Yeah, Lin's dad is Kanto, and then Lin is like super pissed off. Yeah, he was a character that was in the comics, I guess, I guess. or something. Uh, doesn't matter. The, the the point being, like, Toph had a, had a baby daddy and we're never going to get to meet him because it's not relevant. The important thing is the mother-daughter relationship, which can be best be summed up by Lynn just going, huh, some mom. <laughs> <laughs> some mom, am I right? <laughs> some mom. Have you seen this mom? It goes on forever. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, it's just, like, weird mother-daughter nonsense, and then it's resolved in, like, a second. Well, she's just being passive-aggressive vocally out loud. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're, she's a great teacher. <laughs> oh my god. I don't know what sounds I'm making. <laughs> you're really, you're really worked up over this one. I just, it's so weird how audibly, sarcastically passive-aggressive she's trying to be. It's so unrealistic. I don't know. I don't know. She does it like twice in a row. It's bad. Yeah, it's not great. Um, and it's all resolved later when Toph's like, listen, I'm sorry. And she just keeps saying, listen, I'm sorry the entire time. And then finally Lynn is like, yeah, okay, you saved us. 
I guess we're even, question mark? It's just, I, it's so dumb. And then she leaves and she's like, well, I can't do any more plot-related things. I'm old. That's like, my back hurts. That's why Katara didn't get involved in season two. <laughs> Gotta leave it to the kids. Right, it's like trying to retcon it. Like, like... It's so frustrating, especially since in Avatar, like, old people do shit all the time. All the time. They're, like, a major plot point in the I mean, they get season. involved. Yeah. Even dead people get involved. Truly. It's like, no one's sitting out the fight. Yeah. yeah. It's, I don't know. It's just so bad. Anyway, let's talk about Avatar now. Wait, we, there was one other thing that we skipped. Oh, did we? Is, yeah. Korra's trying to recruit a spirit army. Do you remember that oh, scene? Oh, yeah. I just didn't even take notes on it, because it was I feel so like nothing. that's important thematically. It's it's thematically important. Sure. It's like you know, Korra's Korra's like, hey, you know, Kavira is getting a spirit weapon. Maybe I can convince the spirits that she's perverting their technology yeah. or something, and then they'll come help. It's like, no, you just want spirit weapons of your own. Fuck off. It's just kind of right. Yeah, I I think that's kind of a good point. Yeah. yeah. But then she's. But it's but it's but I also see Cora's yeah. side of the argument. So I think that's like one of the good sort of side conflicts. It just doesn't really amount to much plot. Right. Wise. They don't. They don't really bring it back that much, if I remember correctly. Right. I guess it kind of comes across as just sort of a a, a patchwork explanation for why the spirits are not yeah. getting involved. I don't know. It's just a lot of appeasement all over the place. Anyway, Avatar. Yay, let's talk about good episodes. So this kicks off the the uh the Zuko mini adventure arc, I guess. See, I like this stuff. I, do I like too. it when you you introduce a new character and just everyone gets a turn yeah. with that character. Yeah. They did it in uh for those of you who watch Community, my only point of reference in this show. <laughs> uh they did it with uh with with uh, Professor Hickey, uh you know, the from the, the actor from Breaking Bad, uh, where he shows up and he just has, like, a one-off adventure with all of the, the main cast. So that's this. It, that's what this is. So, in this one, we start off episode 13, The Firebending Masters. Aang is having trouble firebending, but then so is Zuko, surprise, surprise. Um, and then we get the great yep. jerk bending. Because he's lost his anger. Yeah, he's lost his angst. Um... And then Sokka makes fun of all the jerk bending that's happening, which is fire bending. So thank you, Sokka, um, for that. For coining the term jerk bending. Yeah. So you know, Toph suggests that they find the original source of fire bending. Because Toph learned from badger moles, yeah. who were the original earthbenders, not turtles. Oh my god! Yeah, not turtles. Yeah, like this is the. Sh I'm sorry to harp. No, on it's this. fine. I'm with you a hundred percent. Like I hate the Cora. <laughs> explanation for all of this um but it's fine so the original source of firebending right. is dragons but they're all extinct um right but the weird part is kind of that the original airbenders are are you know flying bison but the original waterbenders are is the moon or maybe fish it's the moon david it pushed and pulled the currents of the ocean I mean, why can't it be like i don't know the big elephant koi or something yeah like or, or the Unagi. Like, he shoots water out of his mouth, it's right? It's the fucking moon, David, man. <laughs> it's it's the moon. It's the moon. It's the moon. And you just gotta... Okay. It's rough. Good it's enough. rough, buddy. It's rough. So, yeah. So that's the original source of firebending. Uh, but they're all extinct. But Zuko's like, well, there was a, a race of people called the Sun Warriors. 
uh, and their civilization is not far from here. They're like the Mayans or the Aztecs. It's really bad that I cannot quite distinguish the difference um, between the two. That's my oh, bad you know, that's that's pretty common for white people. Yeah, uh, but it doesn't make so me they, feel better. Then it just becomes Ang and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. It does. Right? Yeah, well, only a little bit. There's some booby traps. <laughs> Um, you know, there, there's some spikes and they have to use, uh, Zuko's sword to reflect some light onto a, a bulb t- to open the temple. Yeah. <laughs> I really like it cause the, it's, it's, you know, it's a calendar like at the, you know, fire temple that only opens on the, solstice. on the day of the solstice. And Aang just goes like monkey feathers, the solstice again. <laughs> we just keep having to wait for more solstices to come. <laughs> I like the idea that just every time they come across another obstacle, they just wait <laughs> six months. It's a good, it's a good mental image. Um, I, I also just love the fact that Zuko's like, well, we could try reflecting the light onto it, but then they didn't try doing that ever before with any of the other places there they had to like wait for this. I don't know. I can't remember exactly what the the mechanism was back then, but you know for sure, like. I think the point with that calendar was just that the light, when the light hits the thing, Roku appears, right? Yeah, yeah. Not the door opens, just Roku. Right, but they could have made Roku up. appear at any point if they had just, you know, had a mirror. I don't know about that. I think maybe it was just a calendar, and not a not a mechanism. It was just a something to mark the it, day. It's fine, uh, <laughs> but but either way, either way, uh, <laughs> they. They get in there, and then... They get in, and then there's a bunch of statues yeah. demonstrating a new firebending technique, the dancing dragon. Yeah. And so they just do it, and that's how they learn it, by copying statues. Yeah, so they do it, and then um, a, <laughs> a pedestal with an they egg. They get the golden egg. Yeah, and I love that Aang is like, I don't know about this. This seems like a trap. And Zuko's like, nah, it's fine, and picks it up. And of course it's a trap. Um, and they, it's like sticky green swamp goo. I don't even know. They get stuck in tar and then yeah. they get, you know, they just float to the top of the tar room and luckily there's an air hole. Yeah. But then they're just like stuck there forever. <laughs> just shouting for help to a dead civilization. Yeah. Or so they dun, thought. Dun, dun, dun. Um, turns out it's not dead and a sun warrior shows up and then they set them free with like a weird anteater thing that looks all the crap off of them. And then they're like, you guys are trespassers. We're going to kill you. And they're like, wait, I'm the avatar. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, we want to learn firebending from like the original masters or from any master. Can you help? Yeah. And, and then he's like, like, oh yeah, well I'll let the masters decide if you're okay to be trained. You know, the, they might judge you because your your uncle killed the last dragon and your grandpa killed most of the dragons. <laughs> and you're, they might judge you, Aang, because you were stuck in an iceberg for a hundred yeah. years and allowed Zuko's grandfather to, <laughs> to do kill a bunch stuff. of dragons. Um, so then they have to take a piece of the first flame up the mountain to the masters. And then, right, the original yeah. flame. Like, it's this... So... They're doing the Prometheus myth, but it's dragons who give fire to humans right. instead of turtles. 
wasn't the turtles. They didn't do yeah, it. Fuck the turtles. So I don't know. It's I did I just but I did forget until rewatching this episode that they did already do a Prometheus thing. So it is it's not completely Eastern theology. There is some Western Prometheus right. myth in there. Um and and you know so the the whole episode is about finding a different source for firebending other than anger. Um, and, you know, so when Aang takes a piece of the first flame, he, he makes the comment, it's like a little heartbeat, and, and that's a hint at the direction it's going. And you find out, they, they climb up the mountain while holding a little fire. <laughs> and then Aang's fire goes out, and there's a great moment where he's just like, Suko, give me some of yours! And Suko's like, no, don't cheat off me, get your own fire. Uh, but then... Yeah, they, they, I mean, they really do work as kind of like an older brother, younger brother kind of dynamic. Yeah, it's really good. Um, and then they find out who, who the masters are. It's two dragons! It's two dragons. What? And then they're judging them, and they're just like, you're just looking at them, and they're just staring them down. Well, no, they're like dancing around them really <laughs> aggressively. And then Aang's like, we gotta do the dragon dance. And Zuko's like, what? And he's like, we gotta do the dragon dance. So they do the dragon dance, and it's, like, really pretty. And the dragons, like, do it along with them. Oh, it's so gorgeous. It's really good. And then the dragons do stare them down, and it's like, oh, shit, they're going to get eaten. And then they shoot fire at them. But instead of burning them, it creates a beautiful fire vortex, and they see all the colors of the universe inside of it and go on a nice acid trip. Um, and are like, I get it now, man. Yeah. Fire is life, not just yeah. destruction. Fire, it's like life. It's like the sun, man. But also, it's like fire, man. Yeah. Dangerous, <laughs> but but like life, though, man. And also, right. It's the um. Sun. So yeah. Then Zuko does some firebending, and then Aang does some firebending. He does a fireball. He does a fire. He did it. Hooray. Um. He did the fire. Yeah. So that's. That's this episode, basically. I also skipped that um, at the beginning of the episode, Aang calls Zuko Sifu Hotman. Yeah, he does. Which is now what I should call Zuko. <laughs> Sifu Hotman. Sifu Hotman. All right, well, let's talk about episode 14 and 15, Boiling Rock, part one and two, where Sifu Hotman and uh, Sokka go do a prison break. And it's so fun and I, great. I honestly, I'm I'm considering changing my answer for my favorite episode from the guru to this two-parter. It's such a good two-parter. It's so, so good. I really like it. Yes. I mean, this is like the only thing that I think could kind of stand on its own, like that I could show to somebody who was not into the rest of the show and be like, no, no, it's good. And yeah. Just be like, here, like, this kind of stands on its own. <laughs> right, and, like, they explain enough of who everyone is in the episode that you don't need the, like, seasons-longs of context to go, oh, yeah, I, I basically understand what's happening here. It's 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 really good. Uh, so Zuko is, like, making tea for everyone and trying to tell jokes, but is very bad at it. And then Sokka's like, hey... I think my dad's in prison. What's, like, the worst prison? <laughs> and Zuko's like, oh, that's the boiling rock. It's really bad. You don't want to do it. And Sokka's like, yeah, 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 totally. And then tries to, like, sneak off and do it, but Zuko catches him. But Zuko knows self-destructive behavior when he sees <laughs> yeah. it. And then Sokka's like, I've got to regain my honor, which is something that now all three main <laughs> male characters have said. This is the theme. Because Hara doesn't give a shit about her honor. She just is mad at everyone from well, this point no, on. She, well, she's more concerned about avenging people's deaths. Yeah. Uh, we'll get there we'll later. We'll get there. 
but I mean, this is the theme of the of the whole show is is honor, destiny, these kind of right. things. So it's a fun buddy road trip for a moment. Yeah. They're in a hot air balloon. They talk about their girlfriends. Sokka has the iconic yeah. line of "My girlfriend turned into the moon," and Zuko replies with the equally iconic line. That's rough, buddy. Because what else do you say when someone yeah. says their girlfriend turned into the moon? There's just really not anything else to say. But then the balloon stops working and crashes into the lake because uh, the hot air, the air outside the balloon is as hot as it is inside. And that's how hot air balloons work. So good on them for that. That's a fact of life. Uh, so they crash. Courtesy of Avatar. And Sokka just pushes it into the lake. And Zuko's like, what are you doing? And Sokka's like, I'm winging it because all my plans have been failing. So I'm just going to go on instinct again. We're going back to season one. Yeah, but his instincts have like traditionally been his only strength. Yeah, his instincts I mean, are yeah, great. In season one, in, in Jet, yeah. his instincts are absolutely correct. His instinct that the, you know, the bunker was on Fire Nation Island was correct. Right. Like, all of his instincts, his instinct that there would be a secret that would defeat the Fire Lord in the library. <laughs> I mean, all of it. 100% correct all the yeah, time. He's, he's the master of intuition. Yeah. But it's just because the writers keep writing him to be correct. <laughs> but it's fine. Anyway, so they decide to get some guard outfits and, uh try to infiltrate and they witness a, a prison fight. Yeah, it's I mean it's like a prison break movie but with most of the fat cut. Yeah. You know, we don't have to see them kicking the ass of a guard. I guess they probably just stole the outfits off of a off of like a yeah. rack cuz I don't think they would have murdered anybody. No, for sure not. And we don't see anybody waking up from unconsciousness being like, "Hey, somebody stole my outfit." Right, or someone like discovering someone in their underwear in a broom closet, you know, which feels very avatar. But anyway. Yeah, but I guess they just stole it off the yeah, rack so and we don't have to see it because it's fine. It's we're cutting the, we're trimming the fat here. Yeah. We got to get through this shit. Um, we only have an hour. <laughs> Not even. Like 45 yeah. minutes. Not even 40 minutes. So, yeah, so they get through, they're in there, they witness a prison fight where there's an asshole guard and he uh like tricks a prisoner into getting thrown in solitary basically, which is a a freezing cold cell. Um, so Sokka sort of goes with that guard and Zuko does some recon with the other guards and they're basically like, yeah, there's no water tribe prisoners here. So they reconvene and Sokka's like, all right, I know how to get out of here, I think, but it seems like dad isn't here. So that blows, but oh my God, look there in the yard. It's Suki. This wasn't a total waste of time. Great. (laughs) So then he goes to hang out with Suki, but while he's doing that, Zuko in covering for him, gets, like, caught. And then we find out that the warden of the Boiling Rock is May's uncle, and Zuko's like, oh, shit, that kind of blows. <laughs> yeah, they find out that the warden's there, and the warden is May's uncle, so he knows who, who Zuko is, Zuko is yeah. obviously. Um, and it's also, like, Zuko's the crown fucking prince, <laughs> who's had, like... Right, and he's got a pretty iconic scar. Right, like, it's, it's hard not to know who he is, I feel like. Um, so, so, you know, then Sokka's plan solidifies and they're hatching it, but the, the guy who was in the prison fight earlier overhears them and demands in on it. Um, and so they, they let him in, but their, their plan is to, 
to use the cooler as an escape boat. Right, because supposedly it's insulated, so maybe it'll be able to float on the boiling water, yeah. and the current will just kind of drag you out yeah. to the other side if you have enough time, and... Yeah, it kind of makes sense, but it seems kind of sloppy. So, and because of narrative rules, we know it's going to fail. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. But before that happens, you know, they they do get Zuko thrown in there. He does un, you know, unscrew all the screws. <laughs> right. Um, but then he he overhears a guard saying that they're bringing some war prisoners. War prisoners. Hmm. And he's like, that could be my dad or just anybody that we would like to be. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. Um, so, you know, they there's like a, a moral quandary about, you know, should should I stay or should I go? Should I put like Suki's freedom at risk because she's been locked up here for so long? Um, and then they, they get out to the lake and they're gonna go, but then Suki's like, wait, if your dad's coming, we should chill. <laughs> like, I, I can wait a couple more yeah. days. Yeah, and they just ditch, but they let, uh, you know. They let the they other. Let the, the guy and his girl. And his best friend. Yeah, and they all just get in the cooler and they start floating out there, but then they just, it, it takes way too long because yeah. it was a kind of a bad plan. So it's broad daylight. Anyone could see them. Right. And so he's like, we got to get across this lake quicker. So he starts trying to row. But then it splashes his hand. burns his hand. So they get caught, long story short. And then, you know, Zuko and Suki and Sokka sneak back up to to where the the gondola that carries people in and out of the prison is so that they can see the prisoners coming in and see if Sokka's dad is among them. And, you know, we see this whole line of people and we don't see Sokka's dad. But then they're like, hey, you, get off the gondola. And sure enough, it's his dad. Hooray! <laughs> Part two. It's, it's pretty good. It's pretty, you know, clandestine that they, you know, got there right when he was showing right. up and stuck around for that one extra day. Yeah, uh, but it's fine. So his dad. But th- the second part is really where things are. It's really where things start to get crazy and they become very action movie ish and and very genre. And I, I just dig them so much. Yeah, it's really fun. Because they're like trying to hatch another plan, but Zuko's been you know taken to the interrogation room where he finds out that May shows yeah. up, and so there's drama. And it's He's like, like I... it's almost like if if this weren't Avatar, it would be like if you know they were breaking into a Russian prison. And one of them was like an ex-Russian <laughs> spy, and then it's like my spy girlfriend. No, no. you're here. Just... You abandoned Russia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it, it's great because he's thrown in there. He's like, I didn't do anything wrong, and then May steps out of the shadows, and it's all we both know that's not true, Zuko. <laughs> it's like, oh, you abandoned Mother Russia. <laughs> but more importantly, you abandoned me. <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, yeah, so they have a little confrontation. Um, meanwhile, Sokka sneaks into his dad's room, and uh, when, when he first snuck into Suki's room, he's like, hey, babe, remember me, and tries to kiss her, and she's like, gross, sexual assault. <laughs> and then, well, no, he's like, don't you recognize yeah. me? Because that's exactly what Suki said when she had her makeup off in uh, book two. Oh, yeah, that's true. It was a callback. Oh, I it was see, cute. I see. 
Um, but then he makes a kissy face at her and she's like, gross, and punches him and he takes off his helmet and she's like, oh my god, it's Sokka. Sorry, bro. Right. So they're trying to make this new plan, but at the same time, they're interrogating the people who they caught from the first plan. And so, you know, he's like, all right, listen, man, there's this guard, see? But he's not a prison guard. He's a, he's in disguise. And so you think he's gonna, he's gonna flip. But then, but then they line him up. And he points to the guy who threw him in the cooler in the first part of the episode <laughs> yeah. instead, which you thought was just set up so that you could know what the cooler right. was, but it was actually setting up this twist later. It's just, <laughs> yeah, Cora could Mind never, blowing. it's like so tightly like scripted that it's just like, how did this fail? Right. It's just like, I think everything in core is pretty like broadcasted, like what's going to happen yeah. or it just comes out of nowhere, but this is like set up and then you forget about it. And then the payoff is, Oh, it's so sweet. It's so good. And so then the guy's, you know, he's like, I didn't turn you in. Cause I know you're planning another escape <laughs> plan. How I'm getting out of here. And then of course, but then, yeah. but then the complication on top of complication, that's when Azula shows up. Right. Right. And so, so, you know, they're interrogating <laughs> the guy, uh, <laughs> that, that the, that, right. And he's like, I didn't do it. I didn't, yeah. I'm a real prison guard. I'm not a fake. And then Azula shows up and the warden's like, ah, oh, we're just interrogating this fake prison guard. And Azula is like, you're wasting your time. This guy's not anything. <laughs> Um, and he's like, how do you know? She's like, I'm just psychotic. That's how. Um, no, she says, I'm people a people person. person. Yeah. It's the best line. I'm a people person. <laughs> <laughs> Classic Azula. It's so Azula. Classic. Um, yeah, but so then she, she and Tylee are just like hanging out at the prison, I guess. Um, and May is also there. And then meanwhile, they're well, yeah, trying... Yeah, May probably went there first. Yeah. And then Azula was like, you're going to see Zuko? I'm, I'm coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need to see my brother wanna, in prison. I want to taunt him. Like, I didn't even get to capture him. <laughs> I mean, what the heck? So how does Zuko escape? Do you remember? Yeah, Zuko escapes because Sokka is trying to start a prison riot. Um, and another guard rushes in and is like, I have to protect you, May. And May's like, I don't need your protection. And Zuko just, like, throws the guy at her and then locks them both in, like, the room that he was in. And he's like, sorry, bye. <laughs> and just runs away. Yeah, but away. May easily could have stopped him if there wasn't, like, a prison yeah. guard in the oh, way. You for know, sure. It's like, she's very capable. Yeah, 100%. But then, but Zuko, like, locking her in the room and then they have this, like, tense moment yeah. where they just lock eye contact and he's like sorry and then runs yeah. away because he's an awkward <laughs> man child <laughs> but just like her eyes are, it communicates such betrayal like it's very well done um but it's so the drama it's, it's lots of drama um so meanwhile they're trying to start a prison riot and Saka's dad Hakoda is like very terrible at it uh like he picks the one guy who's like yeah. oh, I'm actually working on my anger right now um, but then the guy who ID'd the guard and tried to escape the first time, he's like, oh, you want to start a riot? He just picks up a guy and goes, riot! And everyone's just like... Hey, you, riot! And everyone just starts rioting. It works. And it works, and it's great. I think the one thing that doesn't work is the, the part where Sokka is just like, uh, you know, hey, let all of the prisoners out into the yard during a lockdown. Yeah. And then he just bluffs and is like, well, I guess I'll go tell the warden that you didn't listen to me. And it's like, I don't know. Would that work? Uh, no. 
you need some kind of written approval to let all of the prisoners out into the yard during a lockdown. Right. But whatever. The point was, it was just a bluff, and it, you know, they won the dice roll. They rolled a perfect 20 or whatever. <laughs> Critical success. Yeah. Then, so their plan is to capture the warden during the prison riot so that they can use him as a hostage on the gondola so that he won't cut the lines. Right. I mean, it's a pretty basic plan, yeah. right? I mean, just, yeah, if you can if you can kidnap <laughs> the warden to use as a hostage in any prison, probably... that's a pretty good me- method for at least getting out of the prison. Right. Once you get out there, there's probably going to be a bunch of cops there, but because this is, you know, the rock, it's an island, right. they're not surrounded by cops, so it works. Um, yeah, so, so it's great. And then um, Suki's actually the one who captures him, and she, like, runs across the prison riot on, like, a bunch of prisoners' heads, and then does all these, like, crazy acrobatic This trips. is, like, the best animated sequence in the entire show. It's really good. Like, Except for maybe It's just so stylish, and the choreography stuff. is so well-scripted, and she's just, like, a ninja yeah. badass who just climbs up the entire, <laughs> side you know, of the side building. of the building. And and takes the warden hostage and is just like, sorry, warden, I'm awesome. And then you're my prisoner now. Right? Yeah. And then Hakoda's like, uh, what a girl. I like this one, which I'm, you know, I'm. I hate. I like this one. I hate it. It's it's starting. To, it's a cliche that's starting to get on my nerves. Uh, but you know, I'll accept it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's innocent I like this here. one. This one's feisty. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't so much feisty. It, I don't know. This one felt like actual admiration you know like yeah but Toph had one of these as well where like she's like talking about one of the kids and is like oh I like this one you know oh, yeah like because this one's the louder one I guess right. it's stupid but again like but here's the thing I, I agree with you that it's not great when it's used as like a um a shorthand right a shorthand for like oh yeah this one's like me but like this one I don't know, felt more like, wow, she just did something genuinely amazing. She's cool. <laughs> and Saka gets right. to go, yeah. I guess it's it's because the scene before it is so legit right. awesome that it, it makes up for the lazy line. Yeah. But anyway, they get out of the cable car and they're getting off in the gondola. It's, they're yeah, doing it. Yeah, Zuko breaks the handle so that they can't stop them. They're going. And then Azula shows up and is like, oh... No, 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 not having this. And this is this is the first time that we've really seen a lot of like fire bending, like flying, flying, right? Like we've seen some like yeah. Well, here it's just really like a rocket powered jump. Yeah, I guess it's like a super jump in Mario or something. <laughs> I don't know. It's you know, it's not quite flying. Yeah, but then she uses it to like rocket propel herself up the cable attached with some handcuffs. Um, and Tylee just, like, straight up runs up the cable rope. Yeah. Um, cause she's... Right, well, she's a trapeze and, and tightrope yeah, artist. Yeah, she's an acrobat. You know, that's her, her deal. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they get up there, and then Sokka and Zuko face off against Azula together with some, like, nice dual, like, person choreography. choreography. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and of course, uh, you know, it's Suki versus Tylee, because it's, it's, you know, an obvious matchup yeah. that had to happen at some point. Um, and it's some cool fights, and then they see another gondola coming in. And also, they're going to cut the ropes because the warden gets his uh, hands untied and all the kerfuffle. 
Imagine how much hot water, pun intended, these guards would be in if somebody found out that they accidentally drowned the princess and her friend, who was, like, the daughter of a noble. (laughs) Because the warden shouted, cut the line, and they went, what did he say? Cut the line? (laughs) Yeah. It's crazy. But luckily there's another gondola coming the other way. So Azula just like rocket man launches herself over to it. Yeah. Like I'm saying, it's like a rocket boosted jump. Like she's jumping. (laughs) It just looks so... But she's able to jump further. I have to say, when she launches herself off of the one gondola onto the other, it does look intensely goofy. Like, (laughs) I don't know. It's, It's not the best moment like it's supposed to look cool but i just it doesn't read that way to me personally right but just before the line gets cut and it seems like it's all over yeah from russia with love (laughs) comes may and she stops them and uh azula yells down at her what are you doing she says saving my ex-boyfriend saving the jerk who dumped me that's what it is saving the jerk who dumped me because um, she still has feelings for him. She still cares about him. Um, and then, right. you know, it turns into... I don't care about oh you. <laughs> it turns into <sighs> to May versus Azula. And Azula's like, you fucking betrayed me, bitch. You miscalculated. And she's like... <laughs> bitch, you thought, yeah. literally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and May's like, nah, I like love Zuko way more than I fear you. And Azula's like, you should have feared me more. And she's about to like lightning strike her, but then Ty Lee like uses her point pressure point jujitsu. She hates conflict. Yeah. She, well, and also doesn't want her one friend to kill her other friend. <laughs> uh, so steps in, and then Azula's like, lock them both up forever. Yeah. I never want them to see the light of day again. They both betrayed me. And this is the beginning of the end for poor old Azula. But yeah. And then everyone else escapes. Boy, oh boy. I mean, such twists and yeah, turns. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. And then they steal Azula's balloon, which I guess yeah. was not guarded, which was, you know, I mean, I guess... When you think you can park in a safe neighborhood, you know, <laughs> the prison where literally no one's ever escaped from it, uh, you'd think that that would be a good place to park. Right. <sighs> Just goes to show, you know, always have an alarm set up. So know. now they've got a giant war balloon back at Team Avatar base, and also Hakoda has joined them. <laughs> uh, so And this g- other and guy. This other guy. <laughs> it's like, I'm new. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and so... That's that's the happy ending. The end. It's it's real good. Right, and and their excuse when they left was they left a note saying we're going oh, yeah. fishing to get some meat, and then they come back and they say we have the greatest meat of all, <laughs> man meat. The meat of friendship. Yes, that too. <laughs> but man meat, so much man meat. <laughs> um, yeah, so you know we've now expanded the cast by three characters. Though I'm pretty sure uh, the. The tag-along guy. Yeah, well, we'll lose them again in the next episode, don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Um, God, I for- truly forget what happens in the next episode. Well, you'll find oh, out how we lose Hakoda <laughs> and also the other useless characters next time yeah. on Avatar, the last Korra. Do-do-do. Bye. Bye-bye.